0: what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Hello and thank you for joining us today for The Caregiver Community, where we are having conversations about the challenges and the joys of caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. My name is Jane Everson, and I'm here with my co-host, Frances Hall. How are you today, Frances? Hi, Jane. I'm fine. Great. Glad to hear that. Frances and I are two of the estimated 31 million adults in the United States, people just like our listeners, who are caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. In this session, we're going to be talking about an all-too-common aspect of aging, memory loss. Specifically, we're going to be discussing typical age-related memory loss and differentiating it from Alzheimer's syndrome and other age-related forms of dementia. I'm very happy to introduce our guest today. Our guest is Ms. Susan Vincent. Susan is owner of Home Instead Senior Care Franchise. Her agency provides services in western North Carolina in the counties of Catawba, Burke, and Caldwell. Since 2006, Susan's caregivers have helped hundreds of seniors in our community with a variety of needs, including memory care services. Susan herself was a long-distance caregiver for her mother, and so she has both professional and experiential understanding of the concerns of adult children as they watch their parents age. Susan is also a founding board member and board chair of ACAP Community. Susan, thank you for being with us here today, and no, it's welcome. welcome to the Care. It's my community. pleasure. Thank you, Jane.
2: Susan, memory loss is understandably frightening to so many people as they age. Is memory loss associated with aging? And if so, what is normal age-related memory loss? Well, I'd like to start out with just people understanding that there is a slight change as we age in our processing um, normal aging does involve a slowing down of that processing, but it doesn't necessarily mean we lose our memories. Um, if you look at a PET scan of a normal 80-year-old Brain, and if you look at the PETs and compare that to the PETs, cats, the the PET scans of a 18-year-old, you'll see that they're almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People who are older generally just process slower, and so for 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 normal a normal aging process in terms of th- of remembering things, w- w- seniors are somewhat slower to think things through. Um, maybe slower to do things. Maybe it takes us a little bit longer to prepare a meal than it used to be when we were in our 20s. And uh, we might hesitate a little bit more, um, thinking things through, trying to, you know, weighing the good, the bad, about whether or not we should make a decision or maybe just deciding to think about it later. Mm -hmm. Um, We also sometimes will pause to find words. Um, The key here is that those words eventually come or they come later, uh, it may be at like night. In may, the middle of the night, when you say, exactly. "Remember the words you need <laughs> exactly. to say." Yeah, it might be after you've done your talk, and you go, "Oh gosh, that's what I was trying to say." Or in the, that can also hap, happen with people's names. You'll recognize their faces, but their name doesn't come. And of course, you'll wake up at three in the morning, mm-hmm. like you say, um, and remember their names. Um, the other thing too for us is we're able. Seniors are able to remember the past and distinguish it as being in the past. Uh, We can go, we know what the present is, we know what the past was, and there's, there's no confusion there you know, compared to someone who may have some cognitive uh, challenges, it may be Alzheimer's disease, is someone who doesn't really think the same way they used to. Um, They can't do things like they used to before. Uh, My godmother, for example, uh, made the best pound cakes in the whole community, and she could whip out Mm -hmm. five of them in like two hours. And she was well known. And she reached a point where she couldn't make her pound cakes, and she would complain that they'd always fall flat. Mm -hmm. Because she Mm -hmm. just couldn't follow the steps. She couldn't follow the steps. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's things like like that or um, not being able to get started to do something, Um, having the thought to get the laundry out, the clean laundry out of the laundry basket, and fold it and put it away. Uh, someone may uh, may think about it, talk about it, talk about it, and mm-hmm. will say they're going to get to it, and they never do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing might be that they can't place a person's face. Now, that's different from someone with normal mm-hmm. memory issues. You'll know the face and can't remember the name, but someone who has Alzheimer's will not know this person at all.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
2: most likely could be someone they should know, but they don't. And of course, the name never comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, And then uh, it's the same thing with words. Words don't come ever. Um, You don't wake up at 3 in the morning and have that word come to you. And and, uh, people with Alzheimer's will also be confused about the past, sometimes reliving the past or thinking they are in the past. Um, There is no distinction between the present and the past. So there's some basic um, explanations of the differences between the Mm -hmm. two. Those
1: are good, clear examples. Easy to understand. Can you talk a little bit about the... Prevalence and incidence of Alzheimer's. It it seems like every day I either hear more and more of my friends whose parents have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or you read more and more about it in the newspaper and periodicals. Is it indeed increasing in in incidence? Oh, yes. Um,
2: In fact, there are half a million people who have Alzheimer's disease today. In the United States? In the United States. Wow. Um, Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death of Americans in the country. Um, Is that just among 65 and older, or is that in general? That's in general. Wow. Yeah. Um, Of the 5 million men and women who have the disease today, did I say 500,000 die each year, not have it? I'll make sure I have that correct. Mm -hmm. 500,000 die each year with the disease. We have 5 million men and women who have the disease today. Um, 200,000 of those are under the age of 65. Jeez. There is a, there is young onset, um, right. and um, it does affect people early, younger than 65. In 2050, if there are no other medica, medical break, breakthroughs, um, there will be approximately 16 million people in America suffering from Alzheimer's disease. That's huge. The impact it, is it just is. tremendous. It is tremendous. I mean, compare it to cancer. At age 65, um, you have a 1 in 11 chance of getting cancer with Alzheimer's disease it's 1 in 6. Wow. And of course by the time you're 85 that that ratio is even worse it's 1 in 2.
1: That's what I've heard. So you have a pretty good chance of acquiring some yeah. form of Alzheimer's if you reach the age of 80. And, exactly. and why is that? Yeah. We
2: don't know. I mean it is obvious that age is a factor.
1: Um, we're living longer, so we're, we're more living likely longer, to get some exact conditions.
2: Yes, um, um, but generally there are there are proteins that accumulate in the brain, and they interfere with um, neurons, with cells communicating with each other, and eventually kills them. And so, um, the brain literally dies. So it's a pretty serious disease, um, and I, I caution people just to dis- disregard it because as the baby boomers age and we have more and more in this population group, it will affect every single American in the country one way or the other. Either you'll get it, you'll be the caregiver, or you'll know someone who has it. Right, right. Yeah. right. I've seen, and maybe this is a place to say this, I have seen some some brain scans of people who have Alzheimer's in comparison with a child's brain. And it's remarkable, Mm -hmm. striking, the similarity of those. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about memories are gone, and and it certainly impacts so much of what happens in the body, then we understand that better. Yeah, those those PET scans can actually determine what areas of the brain are being affected by the advancement of the disease. Um, it's. I mean, I know we'll get to this later, but it's fairly understandable how it will advance. But what's different is the individual um, and their personality. That will always be individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when you see one one case of Alzheimer's <laughs> disease, you've really just seen one case. Right. Um, and I know that um, it's a very difficult disease. It's hard on everyone. It's a very expensive disease. Um, it will cost. Um, it will cost the country just millions and millions of dollars from time loss, from family caregivers who have to leave work early, have to come in late, or have can't come in at all. As adult child caregivers, and you've just sort of referred to that, if we recognize behaviors and signs of memory loss in our parents, who should we approach for assessment and diagnosis? And how in the world is a diagnosis made that it's Alzheimer's versus? Some, one of the um, hundreds of other dementias. That's a great question. Um, you know, a, a good doctor will first screen the patient for any kind of medical issues. There may be some hearing or vision problems that are causing some sure, unusual sure. behavior. Uh, there may be medication interactions that may be causing memory loss. Um, thyroid can thyroid problems, depression sometimes will indicate. Um, uh, or will will uh, express itself in some unusual behaviors. Um, and certainly there are vitamin deficiencies as well. So a good physician will look at all of those things first to see if that's all it is because those things are correctable. Right. So instead of
1: panicking, the first thing we should yes. do is get our mom or dad to the, to the doctor. doctor. Exactly,
2: right. Right. exactly. But the, but the problem now is that we're not diagnosing Alzheimer's disease early enough. Uh, a lot of times you... And I don't want to knock general practitioners and family physicians, but a lot of times a family physician will, will you know, ask an, a, an 82-year-old, How, well, Joe, how's your memory? And Joe will say, oh, it's just fine. <laughs> and Joe has Alzheimer's disease, and he's not saying anything. And so they go on and do the regular physical exam, and that's their assessment. Um, or um, Joe might say, well, gee, doctor, I'm getting so I can't remember my grandchildren's names and And the doctor will say, "Oh Joe, well, you know you are eighty some years old, so you know this just happens and so that is very typical sometimes of doctors and i and I have to say that our physicians are excellent in in determining physical diseases, but they're just not caught up on all of the main stuff, all the new uh um a research that's coming out with Alzheimer's disease. Well, and
1: it sounds like there's not a blood test. There's that's There's right. not um, any kind of even a physical test. You just really have to spend time observing and interacting with the person to look at changes in that's behavior. That's correct.
2: That's correct. And there is a screening process, Jane. In fact, um, it's been used for about 30 years, and it's right. still being used today. Unfortunately, it's being used as a diagnostic. And when it was designed 30 years ago, it was just for doctors to figure out whether or not there was some cognitive issues and then to refer this person on to someone else who c- could tease it apart and figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, today doctors are doing things like asking what day it is, what's today's date, where do you live, you know, what country are we in, who's the president. Um, they'll, they'll try to trick you into remembering those three words that they're going <laughs> to tell you at the beginning and ask you again at the end. Um, they'll give you a math test to say, okay, you have a hundred now. I want you to subtract seven. and provoke anxiety. It, well, yeah. <laughs> and what's so <laughs> funny it about it is that all people with Alzheimer's who are still in early stages and are still really smart, they can pass it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet, poor poor old Sam, who's not the brightest shan- light bulb in the light in the chandelier, he may fail it and not have Alzheimer's right. disease. Right. So, um, right. about eight out of ten people victims are misdiagnosed. Um, either with Alzheimer's or they don't have it.
1: So it sounds like for adult children, really being aware of some of these questions and observing your mom and dad over time and being able to articulate some of the concerns very specifically and behaviorally to the doctor. Exactly. And the important thing, too, would be
2: to have them go to a neurologist. Neurologists are trained to look so that at would be different the types of, brain, yeah, different okay, types yeah, of okay. brain diseases. They know the difference
1: between mm-hmm. Alzheimer's so and other So rule out dementias. other medical conditions and then go to a neurologist. Yes. yes.
2: And Alzheimer's, I would think, also is sort of an, um, a progressive sort of thing, that it's not going to be just an all-of-a-sudden kind of scenario. That's correct. Um, and um, it, um, it is chronic, which means it cannot be cured. And it will be progressive. So however your loved one is at this point, this is the best day they have going forward. Right. Right. And it will be like that going on. I want to say one other thing about diagnoses. Um, Dementia is not a diagnosis. And if you have a doctor who said, well, your dad has dementia, that's like saying your dad has disease. Well, what kind of disease? There are over 100 different types of dementia. If you just put, if you draw an umbrella up on a whiteboard or a blackboard and just write over the top of that umbrella, dementia, there are hundreds of dementias that are listed under that. So Alzheimer's disease being the most well-known is the most prevalent type of dementia, about 50 to 60% of the dementias out there are Alzheimer's disease. Um, But there's Lewy body, there's alcohol-related dementia, there's vascular dementia, there are many kinds. And just like a disease, if you have heart failure, well, you don't want to be treated for kidney disease when you have heart failure. You want to know what kind of dementia your loved one has because there are specific treatments for each of those dementias. That's really important. That's really important to know. And the, uh, the manifestations of how, those, how that disease will run its course also is going to be slightly different from dementia to dementia.
0: We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at TheMesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show.
2: Talk a little (coughs) more about that. What would be the typical progression of someone with Alzheimer's? Yeah. Well, generally speaking, there is a progression, but it's rather complicated. Um, Um... the early signs are things like where they can't remember any new information. And this is as simple as telling your mom you'll be back over there, you'll come back to see her at 3 o'clock this afternoon because she has a doctor's appointment. So you show up at 3 o'clock and she goes, Why are you here? Uh-huh. She cannot physically remember what you told her. That's new information. And why? And I say physically because the part of her brain that would take that new information and store it in her short-term memory is no longer there. It has been destroyed by the disease of Alzheimer's. Um, and so to tell someone over and over, well, I just told you that, what's the matter with you? They really can't remember. Mm-hmm. And we can't blame them for that. We have to learn to work with that. Um, Another early sign is, like I said before, difficulty in doing familiar tasks like my godmother not being able to make her pound cake anymore, getting lost while driving, not being able to backtrack or think back of how you got there. Or, or and another example would be losing your keys and you can't remember when you, last, when you last used them. Most people will go, okay, yeah, I remember I got out of the car and I went into the kitchen, and so I'll go in the kitchen and look. Someone with Alzheimer's disease wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So they can't, they can't think back um, things. Also, they'll misplace objects or put objects in some strange places. Like you'll find socks in the refrigerator or mm. food um, put in, um, you know, put in a drawer in the bedroom. Um, things just show up in odd places. Those are other early signs. And of course, with this, the individual. Themselves is also, I suspect, really stressed and concerned because they know something's going on. Mm-hmm. So you see changes in personality where well, they may try to hide the fact that they don't remember. It would be a natural inclination it to try be. to hide the memory Or be loss. angry and uh, aggressive because they're frightened. And uh, again, we have to understand that they're doing the very best they can. Right. Um, and it's a very frightening disease when you realize something's going on. Um, Another um, early sign is social withdrawal. Again, not being able to remember people's names or not actually even being able to recognize some people may have a tendency for someone to not want to go to church anymore or not play bridge with their girlfriends anymore or, you know, just stay at home because it's too scary. I don't know who these people are. I don't know why we're standing up and we seem to be. Mm making these singing sounds, and I don't know why we're doing this, and what do we do next. It's just hard on them, so they tend not to want to go out anymore. Um, And finally, maybe just a a loss of initiation, going back to, um, you know, yeah, I know I have to do that laundry, and I know that laundry's been sitting there on the floor, and it's right there, and I'm going to get to it, and I'm going to do it later. Just leave me alone. I'm going to get to it, and I'll do it later. Having that loss of initiation, of not being able to take a thought and act on it so those are sort of sort of your early signs um, people with we do know that people with alzheimer's disease eventually you know like i said before they lo- they lose the ability to remember new things and then it comes to not remembering what happened a week ago and then a month ago and then a year ago and then it gets even worse 10 years ago 20 years ago to the point where that individual really thinks that they're 25 years old, because those are all the memories that they have. And everything from age 25 up to the present is now gone. good example would be their daughter coming in saying, Hey, Mom, and Mom looking at this woman and saying, Who are you? Right. And the daughter saying, Well, I'm your daughter. And she says, I don't have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Because what she remembers is... She's 22 years old. That was before she even got married, so she doesn't have any recollection of having children. That's really hard on the family, really, really hard. I've also heard the scenario of a spouse has died or, or a parent has died, and they don't remember that. Yeah. And so every time there is any... Um, any acknowledgement from someone else that, oh, no, Dad has passed or, you know, Mom has passed or, you know, whatever, that it's reliving that grief mm. every time. And how sad. It's terrible, yeah. I mean, in c- cases like that, you just go with it. Yeah, Dad said he'd come back over later yeah. and just go on to another subject because you don't want your mom to go through that pain right. Again. right. So as
1: the, as the symptoms progression become more severe, it really is incumbent on family members to learn some kind of mastery Of the behaviors, which is really then gaining control over your own emotions while also dealing with new ways of communicating with them. That's exactly right. Because it's not their
2: problem, Mm -hmm. it's ours. It's It's our our problem to figure out how to work with this person and keep them safe and respect them and maintain their dignity. Oh, and that's so important that they still are there, they still are Mm -hmm. our parent, our loved one. Mm -hmm. And we get upset and angry, well, they pick up on that. And they get upset. They don't know why. And they don't know why they're upset, but they know that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it harder to get them to take a bath or eat their food or even just go to the bathroom. It makes it difficult. So um, it is a very difficult process. It's a difficult, like you say, Jane, it's a difficult thing to master, to be able to learn and deal with your loved one where they are at that time and keep them safe and keep them happy. Yeah. And what yeah. seems so normal for us in terms of approaching or responding from their perspective, mm-hmm. it just needs to be so different sometimes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. What's well, such a natural reaction to want to correct, to want right. to encourage, to want to even reprimand if we see something that we want to change? Yeah. Like, as we would with the yeah. child and you know, we need to learn completely new ways of, of communicating.
2: Yeah and that's also true in the healthcare community nurses and CPAs and all these people who have learned and want to help because they're driven to help, they have to know how to approach this person. They have to know how to talk to them. They have to know not to take it personally when when someone with Alzheimer's disease starts cussing at them or yelling at them or screaming at them. These are signs of something going on. They've got to figure out what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I I, need to come back to explaining that the the term of memory loss is not a correct term. It's not a correct description of Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a disease and it is brain failure. Right. So just take memory loss and erase that from your mind and think of it as a disease of the brain that causes the brain to fail. And so we're not just talking about memory loss. We're talking about some very other, some really critical things that keep you alive. Patients aren't able to Understand spatial relations, uh, and that's like trying, you know, when you see a chair and you go to sit in a chair, your brain has a sense of where you are in that space, where the chair is in that space, and how to sit down. Or you're going to go get into a car. You know how to bend your head, pick up your leg, crouch over, scoot in, and shut the door. Someone with Alzheimer's disease, that part of the brain has been destroyed, and they can't figure out how to get in that car. They can't figure out how to sit down. They can't figure out how to stand up. And in some cases, even walking makes it do- is difficult for mm-hmm. them because that part of the brain has now been destroyed. And this is sort of mid to late stages Alzheimer's disease. But, you know, it can happen at any time because everyone's sort of different mm-hmm. in that regard. But there are physical manifestations that come right out. I talked about finding the right words, keeping track of time and place. That part of the brain also can become damaged Um um, a, a victim of Alzheimer's may want to go outside with a heavy coat on, and it's 100 degrees outside. That's actually that's heat and cold, but still, or going out in the middle of the night, ready to go to work, mm-hmm. would be uh, having no sense of time, um, mm-hmm. or not knowing where they are. Um, <clears throat> I've seen several people with Alzheimer's disease ready to go to work, and, all, and so we just talk to them about you know, well, what are we going to do today at the office? And, you know, we have this conversation, and our, um, the individual feels great because he's doing something. He feels important because this is something that was was good for him in his life and made him feel good, and so we just go right along because it doesn't cause any issues even though he's mm-hmm. in a facility.
1: I think that's a really important differentiations, and I'm glad you made them. When When my father-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I don't remember really getting much support or even... Information about the diagnosis, and I think my husband and I and his siblings really thought of it as memory loss. Mm. And the memory loss made sense to us, and we could deal with the memory loss, but some of the other things you're talking about that we saw later on were really difficult for us to understand. And I'm not sure we ever really understood until now, as you talk about it, mm-hmm. that it really was part of the Alzheimer's. Yeah, because it's
2: not just the it's just not the memory parts mm-hmm. of the brain. Remember, without our brains, our body can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our brain tells our body to do every single thing that we do. Peripheral vision also is affected. And of course, as we age, our peripheral vision does get more mm-hmm. narrow. But with someone in uh, late stage Alzheimer's, they're They have no peripheral vision. It's like putting binoculars up to your face. Or if you want to do that yourself, you know, ball your hands up and Mm -hmm. pretend you're you're wearing binoculars. Mm -hmm. That's the peripheral view they have. And so if you walk up to someone with Alzheimer's disease from the the side, they're not going to see you. If you touch them, they may jump. Mm -hmm. But worse yet, you may get hit Mm -hmm. because you frightened them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, it's very important that someone with Alzheimer's disease actually sees you. And welcomes you into their space before mm-hmm. you proceed. Other things that are lost: communication skills, and that's listening and speaking. Um, uh, certainly, the loss of words to the point where they don't know how to make sentences. So, there, in some some um, patients, there will be just utterances, or the brain will make up a word to substitute for a word that they don't, they can't think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's on the flip side of that, too, because they are unable, at some point in their journey, will be unable to understand a person who is talking to them. Mm-hmm. What they'll hear is gibberish. Mm-hmm. It'll be like you going to Greece and somebody talking to you in Greek, and you can't understand a word. And so you're looking at their faces. You're looking at their, their body language and their gestures. They're smiling at you. They've got their thumbs up. So you just smile back, and you've got your thumbs up, and everything's wonderful. And then they start trying to take your clothes off. And you're going, whoa, what in the world is going on? What they've been asking you, are you ready to take your bath? Mm-hmm. And, of course, mm-hmm. you didn't hear that. You didn't hear anything. You don't understand what's going on. Um, and so, again, the the communication, that type of thing is very difficult for people with Alzheimer's disease. And making sure they understand what you want is very important. Before you start trying mm-hmm. to take their clothes off, right. you're going to get
1: slapped. Right. right. Um, and then it Makes those behaviors make a lot of sense when you put it in that perspective.
2: Yes. And then... As it worsens, the brain can't sense hunger, it can't sense thirst, it can't sense pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Pain will manifest itself in other behaviors. If your loved one, for the first time, is doing something really unusual, you've never seen it before this is a time to really look and see if you can figure out what's going on because now they can't communicate and something else is going on, mm-hmm. either physically, probably physically with them. Maybe they have to go to the bathroom, or maybe um, there is some pain somewhere, but you just got, you have to figure out what that mm-hmm. is. Um, and then in the end, the brain ceases to even tell the lungs to breathe or the heart to beat, mm-hmm. and they die. So it is not a happy disease. It is a horrible and tough disease. It is difficult for all members of the family. It's difficult for the individual. It's difficult for all of us around them. And so it keeps going back to those of us who are the adult children or loved ones to really know as much as we can about the disease, about the progression, and about how to how to continue to
1: be involved with our loved one, how to most appropriately and effectively care for them. Mm Which is probably going to be, as you said, every individual is an individual. Yeah. Right. So really mm-hmm. interacting with other adults who have family members with Alzheimer's and trying to learn some patterns, some similarities, some strategies over time is going to be really critical, Yeah. Mm-hmm. as well as just the support of knowing you're not going through it mm-hmm. alone. Exactly. Right. And unfortunately, there is no cure for Alzheimer's disease. There, there
2: are some medications that have been out there for a good while, I'm sure everyone's heard of Aricep. Um,
1: yeah, let's, let's talk about some yeah. of the treatment. Um, I, I think it is important, as you said, that it's not curable, but there are some treatment options to consider. There
2: are. Um, they will and, and they'll last for about 6 to 12 months. They'll, have, they'll show some improvement for about that amount of time. But the catch with that is it'll only be maybe 30% of the people who actually take these medications will show improvement the other 30% may actually show a decline in their cognitive behavior so it's real important to keep an eye on them and see how they're reacting to the medication because it does mm-hmm. have side effects mm-hmm. and then the other 30% it doesn't do anything at all doctors a lot of times will throw these medications at people with alzheimer's cuz they honestly don't know what else to do and they want to fix it too yeah. but there's just not a whole lot that can be done um, not until you know we have tremendous a lot more a lot more research and money thrown at solving um, the the uh, the problem of Alzheimer's disease.
1: Are there any is there any emerging research on preventive strategies? Anything that is coming to the forefront as things we absolutely should be considering? All of us as yeah. we're fifty and sixty. Yeah. <laughs> Not a
2: whole lot. Although I did, um, I was at a seminar a couple of weeks back, and one of the interesting things I learned was that in Japan there've recently been some studies um, showing that um, exercise us for no surprise there and meditation are two very very good ways in order to either decrease the chances of getting or at least putting it off for a while Mm -hmm. and um and listening to this really was kind of interesting because it, it it involves making we don't we don't We don't breathe with our entire lung anyway. We don't take deep breaths because we don't exercise. If you exercise every day, you're putting lots and lots of oxygen in your blood, and it's going right into your brain, and that's a good thing. And, um, uh, And so something as simple as taking three slow, deep breaths five times a day is a great way to help. First, it keeps you alert more because your brain's now got all this stuff to work with. It brings nutrients into the brain that it needs uh, to function. Um, and it reduces your stress levels. Mm-hmm. And
1: meditation does that too; reduces mm-hmm. your stress levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like ed- uh, exercise and meditation really will stave off a lot of the downsides of aging. Won't how they? about that? <laughs> <laughs> As no, if we didn't know. No. Yeah, no, good no, practices no, for there. all of us.
2: Yeah. Um, there was another study done uh, looking at the amount of cortisol in the in the blood of of care, primary caregivers for. Or victims of Alzheimer's disease versus Mm -hmm. those who were taking care of their loved ones who did not have Alzheimer's disease, and they found that cortisol was 50 percent higher in those that were caring for victims of Alzheimer's disease. Now, cortisol is your—it's your panic hormone. It's Mm -hmm. your negative stress Mm -hmm. hormone. kicks into gear when you're walking across a field and you see a raging bull running at you, right? And all of a sudden you go into this panic mode and your body infuses all this energy into your legs and your arms and you run like the dickens. And your brain doesn't focus on anything except (laughs) getting over that fence. Mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm. Well, if we continue at at relatively high levels of stress by taking care of of a loved one who is making it more and more difficult for you in your life, your family, your sleep, your health, Those higher levels of cortisol also affect family caregivers. Um, First of all, they increase the amount of fat distributed around your organs and around your waist and your midline. Hmm. Um, Cortisol interferes with your ability to make good decisions or to get the big picture. Imagine being out in that field going, hmm, there's this bull running at me. I wonder what I've done to make him mad. (laughs) And maybe I should think about, no, you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be running, 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 running. And the same thing happens with people who are are running themselves to
1: death just trying to get mom to eat or get mom to the bathroom or making sure and she's course, clean. Of course, we hear this so often about caregivers, but it's so important to reiterate that you have to take care yourself. of yourself, not only to take care of your parents, but because yeah. these incidences are going to continue as we age right. and right. live longer. Yes,
2: it gets worse. It raises your blood pressure, it raises your heart rate, and it raises your blood sugar. Now, this is a great recipe for heart attacks or whatever maybe even alzheimer's disease Mm -hmm. you know we need to take care of ourselves first Yeah. yeah very good advice susan this has been really really good information are there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners well i'll just sort of recap first of all get help the minute you know that your loved one is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, get help. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. I don't care who you are. You can't do it. You'll end up in the hospital. You'll end up losing your friends. You'll you'll become a, a, a hermit. Um, people people who try to do it all by themselves end up getting sick, and I've seen that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and your doctors will say that. Your friends will say Everybody will tell you that. So take that to heart. Find an organization or a group of people or maybe you have a good friend or someone who can start with you right away because it's it's real important that your loved one build a bond with that individual as they go through their journey. As things get harder, they may not remember who they are, but they'll have this emotional sense of this person is safe, this person is good, I can trust this person. In a, in a certain sense, even though they can't communicate, um, it's good to have that. Plus, if you have doctor appointments, you've got someone who will be there with them, you need a, a night's sleep, that person will be up with your loved one. Um, and so it's just it just works much, much better that way. The other thing, I know they tell you to learn new things uh, all the time, to keep your brain stimulated. That certainly makes us better people. I do want to emphasize that working crossword puzzles all your life is not going to keep you from getting Alzheimer's disease. You're only working one th- It's tiny fraction part of your brain. So do something you've never done before. Learn something you've never learned before so that you can open up um, to stimulate your brain in a a, a totally new way. Exercise, exercise, Mm -hmm. exercise. Um, and really important is to stay on top of behaviors and ways that you can manage your loved one um, as they go through this journey because some things will work and then eventually those things won't work anymore and you'll have to have new techniques uh, to have in your toolbox of how to get this person to change their shirts because they've been wearing the same shirt for four days or you know, getting them to the bathroom or getting them to take a bath. All of those things are important for hygiene. So um, keep on top of that. And social workers... Um, a memory care unit, um, a home care agency, all of these people can help out with either information or providing a caregiver or someone to help you. Um, and they all have their finger on the pulse of what is available, what are resources out there in the community to give you some help. Certainly um, an Alzheimer's support group, by all means go. Mm-hmm. Find one and go. Um, and lastly would be just to stay positive. And that's tough if you're not taking care of yourself. If you don't have help, if you're not exercising, but if you're doing all those things, your life can be tough, yeah, but you can still be positive about it. And that positiveness shows through with your loved one, and they end up feeling more calm and comfortable
1: because you are.
2: It's very difficult, and my heart goes to anyone who has to deal with it. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you, Susan. This, is, this has been great. My, my head, you're I know, is just spinning with ideas and things that I wish I had known when my father-in-law yeah. was diagnosed, but we um, will now have for, for future family members and uh, as needed. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the caregiver community today. Frances and I hope you've enjoyed as well as learned something about caregiving and caregivers today. The program you're listening to is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH, as well as check out the other programs available for free at That's www.themesh.tv. On the MESH site, you may also send us a question or a recommendation for future show topics using the Contact Us button. We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you may subscribe to our show and make sure you receive all future episodes. You'll find a link to the MeSH website on our ACAP community website as well. Francis, where can people go to find out more information about ACAP? Absolutely. They can go to the website itself,
2: www.acapcommunity, and that is A-C-A-P for Adult Children of Aging Parents. So that's www.acapcommunity.com. They can email us at info at com, or they can call our toll-free number, one 877 599 ACAP or one 599 2227
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And thank you, Susan.
0: You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment,